said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. There was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, y'all. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm late this week. Oh, by gosh. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. For my faithful listeners and my continued growing audience, I do apologize. I humbly apologize. Can I get can I get a little grace? Can I get a little grace? <laughs> Man, I'm so sorry, y'all. Um, I had meant to get this out early, and then AAR happened, American Academy of Religion, uh, our annual guild, and just all kind of other crazy madness stuff that I really can't get into right now, <laughs> but I will later, trust me. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I just got caught up as we say as they say and so i apologize i had meant to like i said i was working on this uh podcast and trying to get it out and i'm live tweeting here at aar um but just never got a chance to sit down in front of my computer so again my apologies my apologies uh i will make sure that this does not happen again or at least limit the madness um of this happening because i my goal is to release every week and so this is really really late this is the latest i've ever been and i do apologize and then like i said then the thanksgiving break happened oh my gosh so i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in and for emails and all that good stuff i hope uh if you're listening to this in real time i hope you are or you had actually or you're going to have uh, a a great thanksgiving um i know my time with the family and eating and all that good stuff i do all the cooking it is great it's great time great uh great time to just break and uh um, you know, be with friends and family. And, you know, what we've done, both my wife and I, is really gotten to a point where we just say, you know, the holidays are really not a good time to go and see family. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not. At least at least our families. I think, you know, that works for some people. But for us, it just does not. So we uh, really came to those conclusions a long time ago, early in our marriage. And uh, we started creating our own kind of like family and gathering and all that good stuff. And so... Um, we just started having people over. And so, you know, easily for the last 10, 11 years, we've been having Thanksgiving dinner, probably even longer than that. Quite honestly, I think it was actually when we were in grad school. I think one of the in graduate housing, was these tiny little ass places. I think we had like 28 people in this like 400 square foot room. Uh, if you can imagine that, but you know, we threw down, we had fun. Uh, and so I'm continuing in that tradition, continuing in that, um, lineage and it was great uh it was great those are great times and so hopefully you all have good places to go and friends and the family that you have brought with you and hopefully they're holding good space for you um i wish i've always wanted more family i wanted to have one of those big families and stuff and but you know it just never happened and stuff so that being said there are plenty of people who you know want those spaces uh during thanksgiving so hey 
I was able to provide it. My wife and I were able to provide it. Um, and we throw down. I got brisket, tri-tip, um, sausage, pork tenderloin, the turkey, of course. No disrespect to my vegan and vegetarian folks out there. I know y'all out there. I see you. I see you. Um, but uh, if I'm honest, I, I got to have the meat. <laughs> I gotta have the meat. So pray for pray for your boy, y'all. Pray for him. You know, if I want to, I, want, I guess I'm, I may need some deliverance or something. But that mesquite filled turkey breast that you can cut with your finger, oh, doggies, man. And then the smoke gets set in really nice because I smoke my turkey, y'all. I smoke it over mesquite wood. It usually sets for about 22, 24 hours. I leave it overnight. Um, so same thing with my brisket. So the turkey sits on the bottom of my smoker. Brisket sits on the top, pork tenderloin on top of that. And so everything just drips down on each other. Um, it's never dried out. So, oh, man, y'all making me hungry right now. I'm going to have to go and hook this up. So that being said, listen, I don't want to keep you too long because this week's episode is doing some live podcasting at the American Academy of Religion uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, we met at AAR several years back. He uh, completed his PhD. Oh, I'm thinking last year? No. Um, yes, matter of fact, it was. It was in the year 2017, Dr. Philip R. Butler. And um, I was able to connect with him. Uh, I always like to get over to AAR and connect with a whole bunch of people. And I can just say this. AAR is an amazing space uh, for me. Uh, let me speak for myself. It's an amazing space for me. It's not perfect. It's not a, uh, a utopia. But for me, it is the one conference out of the entire year that I know I will go to workshops. I will go to sessions. Um, and I will engage and not feel like I am a crazy person. I think oftentimes in, you know, in in the world that I live in, in the particularly the ac academic world, it's easy to feel like I'm just lost. And like, am I really like really, you know, if everybody else is leaning this way, really? So, you know, social construct of reality, social constructs of belief, ideological uh, um, um, constructs, those things are real, y'all. And it's easy to get lost in that that space um, and without sure footing and without other people saying, no, you're not. Um, in fact, you're right on task. Keep moving forward. Uh, and that's what AAR has been. It's been an oasis for me. Um, and I know that hasn't been the case for everybody. I really do. I really do. Uh, and there may come a day and a time when AAR is no longer that for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the necessarily the future holds. But for now, in the last eight years, it has been uh, an amazing space for me to go network, uh, schmooze, uh, you know, talk academic talk, be an academic, be a scholar, um, connect with other scholars, connect with other emerging scholars. Um, and it's just a great time. And, you know, one of the goals I've had is to really bring along those who are still coming up. And so, you know, I always open up my room to folks. Um, I try to help as many people out as I can, uh, whether with meals or with registration or with, um, like I said, I've had, you know, up to like two, three people up in my room, you know, spending the night because it really is. I mean, you leave the morning, you don't come back until the evening. And so really all you're using the places for a shower um, and, you know, to sleep. And so um, I really just look at myself. If I have some privilege, I need to be able to share that uh, with other folks. And so. 
that's what I've been doing and because it was done for me and I'm thankful for that. Um, one of the many things I'm thankful for in this Thanksgiving season, even though this Thanksgiving season was wrought in a time of genocide, murder and pillaging of native people. So I, I definitely don't want to overlook that um, and continue to bring those things up um, because, it, you know, you can't overlook that, can't overlook that. But without any further ado, let me get this because, you know, folks is looking at me kind of crazy out of here. But uh, this is uh, this conversation is going to blow your mind, y'all. This is and this is just a snapshot of some of the conversations that I have at AAR. Um, Dr. Philip Butler, he is at uh, Loyola Marymount University out in Los Angeles, graduated Claremont School of Theology with a Ph.D. in practical theology on May 16th, 2017. This brother whoo, his areas of research and interest are spiritual formation neuroscience and spirituality oh we gonna get into that y'all oh we gonna get into that black studies ethics and technology um his brother also has another ma in the school of theology in concentration in religion an mdiv from candler school of theology emory university and a ba from morehouse all right so he's in, he's like extra black <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? He's and this brother right here, we've met. Uh, I've seen him on panels and we connected. Um, I was actually the first night I got to AAR. I was coming back to my hotel um, and I saw him and we connected. And I was just like, man, we he was like, man, I didn't profane faith. I love it, man. I got I got to get on there. And I was just like, you know what? Let's just do this. I brought my gear. Let's just hook this up. So we did. And this conversation, you may have to rewind this. I have to rewind this. This is it. <laughs> this brother is is uh. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. So without any further ado, y'all, and again, my apologies next week, it's going to be on time and we're going to be talking about the Sabbath um, uh, and not the traditional like Seventh Day Adventist Sabbath, but a Sabbath, a time of rest. Not that I'm against Seventh Day Adventist. All right. But I, I'm, I'm trying to remove kind of a religious dogmatic setting on it as opposed to looking at Sabbath as what it's meant to be. Rest. A time to get away, a time to break, um, and I've—it's something that I've tried to uh, incorporate more and more into my life, especially coming out of of an Adventist background, a pretty dysfunctional Adventist background, that I need to, you know, reclaim that. So that's coming up next week, and uh, but this week again, Dr. Philip Butler and I just go in and we start talking a little bit about you know space and astrophysics and God beyond the traditional wave views of who God may be. Huh? It's pretty good stuff, right? <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, check this conversation out, and I will see y'all soon for next week's episode. All right, y'all. Have a great Thanksgiving. Peace. It's recording, so this is good. Awesome. awesome. Man, Brother Philip, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's such a last-minute notice here at the AAR. Right, 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 right. Yes, sir. Well, brother, tell us a little bit uh, about who you are and what you do. Where have you come from? What, what's, what's, what's life been like from birth to now? <laughs> That's a big question. So first off, man, I, I, regardless of it being last minute or not, like this is a it's an honor, man. You've been doing you've been doing your thing with this here podcast, man. So I'm well, grateful to you. be here, man. Thank you, thank you, thank. You. I appreciate that. Yeah, but and you want to ask this type of question today? You got time for that, man? <laughs> like <laughs> from birth to now, I'm I'm, I'm 32, but sheesh. All right, so here, like I guess like um, what's got me here? I'm I'm the oldest of three boys. Yeah. In a yeah. family that has had 
boys for at least four generations. Wow. Right. And so there's like this idea of, you know, kind of making men in my family. Right. Yeah. And what it means to, to, to be a man in, in this particular context. And so both of my folks are from New York. My dad's from Harlem. My mom's from the Bronx. Um, so I have this kind of northeast kind of upbringing, mm-hmm. but we grew up around D.C., Germantown, oh. Maryland, right? Okay, okay. You know, it's a uh, hardly home, but I'm I am still repping. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so growing up there, um, I was we grew up in a church, non-denominational church. Uh, was heavily into that kind of had like a, I guess what you call like a conversion experience, like around 16, man. So I kind of put every put a, put a, put more of the things that I was doing away and began to kind of focus on what I felt like was my call. Um, Took me to help take me to Morehouse. Okay. Uh, became a religion major. Religion major after <laughs> this being undecided, right? And then deci- being <laughs> trying to be mathematics. You're right. After right. having not taken math for like two years, and so all my skill set was wow. gone. Wow. And so I had like literally, literally like the worst semester grade wise, uh, switching to math. So I ended up coming back to religion, um, which then eventually led me to Emory. Uh, shout out to uh, to Dean uh, Dean Shonda, who's now at w- uh, Wake Forest, right? Wow, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I sent her uh, an email after after I graduated with my PH, just thanking her, man, for the opportunity to, to, to even begin my theological education at the wow. graduate level. Wow, right? And so she's 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 important. Yes, <laughs> you know. What no, I mean? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but so I, when I was at Emory, ended up doing ethics and then and, uh, ethics and history. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainly because I started out doing scripture, but it was just kind of it, it wasn't it wasn't piquing my interest for me, man. And I, I realized throughout that program that I just couldn't do religion like the way it has been done. And, yeah. and so uh, towards the end, Dr. Pacini, David Pacini at Emory, I had a conversation with him and I was kind of correlating the idea, but difference between like what I remember playing sports and football mm-hmm. and how like playing ball felt like it felt like prayer to me. Hmm. And so, like, there was this deep connection between moving and being immersed in my in my environment and in my body, and what it was like being still and being close with God. Uh, and so, uh, he told me to you know look at schools out west because on the east coast they didn't realize we had bodies yet, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, okay, okay. I um, ended up at CST, man, where I was able to look at neuroscience and or neurospirituality, right? And uh, begin to do that. So, I, what's led me here that and to uh, begin to look at neuroscience and spirituality, and then, but also went to grad school during the time with Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, so on and so forth. And so, yeah. what, what 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 started out as like a broad endeavor mm-hmm. began to ask, begin to raise some questions within me, and about how yeah. do I begin to speak to my contacts and right. the folks that I love most, right? Right, and so going from neuroscience to spirituality to begin to think about the ways neuroscience, spirituality, and race intersect, and then my own interest, like going back to me, me, me kind of breaking down in mathematics in undergrad, this, my love for science and engineering really hasn't gone away. And so wow. thinking about which ways that my love for science and technology can now be introduced into the neuroscience uh, and the spirituality and even race, right? So now I, those are my four kind of areas. I'm, I'm a true disciplinarian in that, in that regard. Wow. So, man, this is interesting. So I, got, so I got a few questions there. Awesome. So your PhD is in? It's on paper, it's practical theology. Practical theology. Right, okay. but, but my, my work is in neuroscience, technology, spirituality, and race. Damn. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about that, because I know you were talking last night about AI mm-hmm. and, you know, and I know we barely started to talk about, you know, like astrophysics, astronomy, and <laughs> quasars and all oh, that. That's not the fun stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think initially, man, just began to, to, to explore the ways in which 
we could utilize, and by we I mean black folks, right? Mm-hmm. Begin to utilize technology uh, in conjunction with our spirituality, right? So like my di- my dissertation ended up uh, being black transhuman liberation theology, wow. uh, whereby it's just kind of a reflection of what it means for black folks to use technology to, to augment our spiritualities and then to mm-hmm. augment our our own you know kind of place in life uh, as a means for you know kind of materializing liberating realities, mm. and so. Wow. It kind of drawing in from this idea of, of the way in which technology is becoming ever, ever present in our lives and something yeah. that we can't really get away yeah. from uh, to exploring the ways in which you know uh, science has begun to help us understand a bit more about yeah. what it means to exist and to be alive in our yeah. biology through our own kind of through neuroscience research but the reality is most neuroscience research is engaging kind of white men or Buddhist traditions right or none specifically mm-hmm. and so begin to imagine what it might be to utilize neuroscience information to begin to understand the ways in which black spiritualities are helping our bodies right and so in in doing that the idea is that if we can give a better understanding of how black spiritualities are impacting us physically Mm -hmm. then maybe we can utilize these spiritualities as a means to kind of preemptively prepare us to engage to these oppressive structures that we engage in right but also to maintain us as we kind of go through this social milieu that is that is you know actively engaging us in negative ways man brother so so what have you found in that man what are some of your findings as you've Engaged with this. This is fascinating. Oh, I appreciate the interest, right? So I think the idea is mainly uh, right. So it, it's not it's not a true theology in the sense that like it really looks at kind of a, a systematic approach to God. It really, mm-hmm. in many ways, become it. It started out as a humanistic uh, endeavor where you know, okay. we, we engaged with you know kind of Anthony Penn in, in a real way, uh, kind of jumping off from where he began, but but recognizing that while he he looks at kind of strong humanism, kind of with this kind of complete atheistic uh, you know production mm-hmm. of of human experience to more of a weak humanism that that includes theology. I'm looking at this kind of middle or third way that really is kind of a combination between process thought and uh, and critical post-humanism wow right and so it allows for it allows for materiality and immateriality the spiritual and the physical because essentially mm-hmm. in, in many ways the idea is that they they roughly are the same in terms of the way in which matter organizes right so we're just really looking at differences in organization so let me ask this then man as we're thinking about technology some have said that technology while making us more creative mm-hmm. and making us more like, oh, wow, you can do this. I mean, we're holding technology in our hand that, you know, maybe a decade ago would have taken a whole studio to have, sure, right? Sure, sure. Um, on the other hand, it, it can, it's almost making us dumber, right? It's like we, it's quick access. I mean, how do, you, how do you engage that? I mean, how do you use some of this stuff in the classroom when students are, I know one of the things we, we, we struggle with is, you know, students are continu- con- continually connected with their device or whatever they, you know, they may be having. Sure, sure. And I think it's an incredible question. And I, and I think it's, it's poignant, but I also think that a lot of what we're talking about is the ways that technology is distracting because we're not necessarily committed to technology in a particular way. And mm-hmm. what, what do I mean? by this essentially i'm suggesting that right uh the idea of being transhuman what is transhuman right transhuman is in a basic level any use of technology to augment a human intellectual psychological or physical physical capacities and so you know the the, the cave the cave person who wanted to create fire and use new splints to do that or the creation of art on a cave wall was yeah. essentially transhuman which also raises another question were we ever just human Right. Mm. And so this idea mm. that technology is distracting us or taking us away from certain spaces, I think it, it comes from this idea that we not we aren't necessarily we don't have a, a particular kind of relationship with technology that allows us to be fully immersed in the technological as another way of being immersed in our in nature. Okay. If, if technology is simply a reorganization of natural resources, then the way in which we could potentially be immersed within technology could allow for us to be to, to rearrange in the way in which we are currently with the world, with technology and with and with each other. 
Okay. Uh, but in terms of you know the in terms of being in the classroom, it's distracting us, making us dumber. This also is is a way that if we were never just human, there's a, there's a potential to look at our bodies as technology in a particular mm-hmm. way. You have at least nine different systems, including you know digestive system, central nervous system, all these different things that are functioning together, uh, along with your your the ba- your basic sensory systems, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that show up in your own individual consciousness or forms of embodiment. And so the body it could be a very a, a way that is. Uh, it could be looked at as its own biotechnology and so we could say wow. that technology is making us dumber or we could suggest that we're not necessarily utilizing the biotechnology that we've initially been given through wow. our bodies wow this is deep man so alright let me let me get my questions straight yeah. you're raising all kind of good stuff here man so let me ask this then um because I know, like, okay, let's take Jesus, for example, sure. you know, that uh, one of the translations of Carpenter is Tecton, mm-hmm. right? You know, where we get technology from. And mm-hmm. so some have argued, uh, my good friend and mentor, Craig Detweiler, has argued that, um, you know, Jesus is the Godhead, however we want to look at it, which I want to get to here in a second. Sure. But in terms of their metaphysicality, but some have argued and said that, you know, they're essentially, they're, they're purveyors of technology. They created us, they created the world, blah, blah, blah. What would you what would you say to that man? How and how do we do we look at it? Is it that too simplistic of a way of looking at it? Is that you know is it much more? I mean, you talked about the physical body and whatnot, but what? How would you how would you engage that? Right. So I think it, I think it, these questions would kind of fit closer to more classical assumptions of of, of theology and what okay. and what God is and what the Godhead might be. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the underlying assumptions that I'm that I'm putting together is this idea that. Um, that while that while Jesus and even the Godhead together allow for a particular kind of creativity and technological creation, whether whether it be through you know plant technology, you know human as we understand ourselves currently, kind of biotechnology, yeah. right, or, the, or the minimal minerals that you know that make up the rest of you know existence in a particular way, mm-hmm. I wonder about the ways in which these things organize, disorganize, crumble, and, and reform again. And mm-hmm. so the answer is, I think the simple answer is yes, but I also wonder about the the manner in which. Uh, the manner in which the, the environment that we're in has a, a little less order than is, is initially uh, yeah. presented, right? Okay. Which might suggest that uh, Jesus creates, but what about the, the, the manner in which that God allows for destruction to, to, to come into play? And then how that it can be a part of the Godhead, kind of a, almost a, a question of, you know, of theodicy, right? Yeah, and so yeah. how, do we allude, how do we allow for, how, how do we allow space for theodicy to, to come into this place when technology is, is is a, has almost a neutral, uh, you know, kind of initial uh, connotation, right? Technology is just what it is until somebody gets a hold of it, and so mm. while things while things can potentially wreak havoc, yeah. it can connect, can potentially create beauty. The question becomes the manner in which how do we utilize it? So even the way in which you just we presented the question about Jesus and the God has it is it is a linguistic technology in terms of how you are constructing yeah. this un- okay. understanding. Okay. <sighs> This is deep, man. So let me ask this. So, so, so the, one, of the, one of the hypotheses I'm working on uh-huh. um, as I have explored uh, like quantum physics and quantum theory is looking at. OK, so let me take the pull back even forward. So I know you're familiar with the Kardashev scale of, you know, alien technology and all that good stuff. So sure. one of the 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 hypothesis I'm working on is that what if God is a Kardashev type three or type four civilization, the Godhead, Mm -hmm. their technology would be indistinguishable from what we would consider to be magic or the quote unquote supernatural. Sure. So one of the things I'm working on is like looking at God through a, a, a more, 
like I said, this metaphysical presence of somebody who is, some have said that, you know, if we have encounter an alien life presence that's, you know, billions of years ahead of us, um, maybe they've given up their physical bodies and now now possessing just an entity, you know, and, and through technology and whatnot. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, so I don't know. I've made, I've tried to make some of those parallels with like, for example, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, you know, that being AI and whatnot, right. or um, Jesus just being another being from another, you know, another planet and whatnot. So, and I don't know what that means long term, but I, but I'm playing with that, and I don't have all the answers. But I'm, but I'm curious to hear what, what you have to say in regards to. No, that. I think, I think it's a great question, right? So, what I'm currently actually, so <laughs> I'm currently working on with, around this idea around what it, what it means for blackness to engage this uh, tetration, right? So, te- mm. tetration mathematics, mathematics, you have addition, multiplication, exponentiality, but what comes after exponents, right? After exponents is what's called tetration. And so it's called wow. it like a power tower or, expo- okay. or expo- the exponentiation of exponentiation in okay. a particular way. Uh, but essentially it's just dealing with big numbers at a rapid pace. And so in terms of like with the, the difference between what we see as magic and supernatural, this ability to kind of materialize things at will in a particular way, right? And so mm-hmm. the idea is through the convergence speeds of, of, of a tetradic kind of society or space would allow for things to maybe materialize at the speed of thought, right? And so the question could be a simply one, because like we could think, look at it within, even within the last like hundred years you had an, a, a, a line of like linear progression mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then like this quick shift almost to like an exponential progression and yeah. so we're, we're kind of we're in the space right now of exponential the area of exponential growth yes. right and so like you can look at Ray Kurzweil's kind of arg- you know arguments and things like that okay. but yeah. you know yeah. but again one of my one of one of the things that I intentionally try to do in my work is imagine beyond the current states because the idea is that you know within kind of white supremacist ideologies white folks are already imagining your own future for you so why yes. not be a part of this conversation and then imagine beyond what they're imagining yes and so what comes after exponentiation the era of tetration would, would, would be the next kind of linear progression I mean the next progression that's non-linear obviously okay. but through mathematical like an, an era but I, I'm essentially saying this idea in terms of creating creating uh, materialities or creating technologies that allow for materialization to materialization to 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 happen uh, instantaneously i think that that is coming and i think that that's important in terms of de- determining what kind of materiality mm-hmm. we w- are going to be envisioning okay right so give for an example if 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 tetration based technology comes with uh, with the with the the thoughts that one has then it would have to then sustain itself based upon the li- the line of thinking that it that is created with okay and so these technologies then so imagine you have diffuse right uh exposure everybody everybody from the richest to the poor has the ability to create their own world based on their vision so it's no longer virtual reality you don't go to a you don't go to a visor or you don't have to go to oculus anymore this Mm. is the type of technology that allows for the the creation of your own particular world if you want a bugatti you got it if you want to have a better house you got it you don't want to be a slave anymore in any particular ways this is the world that you are now creating so we're talking about a level of 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 equity that is kind of broadly sweeping but the problem becomes what happens when my world collides with yours right and so now we're talking about a different way to engage with one another that is based upon the modes of thought yeah. and so the question becomes what is tetration at this point and if we look at if we look at tetration uh, in line with these larger like eras of of linearity exponentiality tetration is simply thought Hmm. Because essentially, in order for us to get to an exponential space, we had to think exponentially while we were working linearly. Okay. And so while in this exponential space, we now have to begin thinking tetratically in order for us to materialize a space where tetratic thinking meets the era of tetration to allow for these things to materialize. Okay. Okay. So you, uh, so wouldn't you suggest that would be then, as, as you're talking about, the next era of 
of the 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 human experience or the or human experience and then the human the connect so i and so i'm you you, you obviously ask a question about god and i start mm -hmm. talking about humanity no right? no no, 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 no. because the part of the part of the assumption is the way in which how does the how does god break into the environment right mm -hmm. we talk about liberation right you have these different these different notions of liberation from across traditions yeah. and in many cases there are there's a there's there there is some uh, correlation between the way the manner in which the divine or the other uh, either is has a salvific component right yeah. in terms of like a particular eschatology mm -hmm. or the way in which it breaks in and allows for a different mode of existence to occur okay and so we're okay. asking we're asking actually asking a particular eschatological question in terms of the way in which yes. god breaks into reality through the human Yes, and so when we talk about this third way that is that allows for kind of this theistic uh, uh, this theistic uh, existence to occur while 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 centering uh, bodies like humans and others. Then we're mm -hmm. essentially we're talking about the manner in which God is embodied by 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 us and the way in which we work towards creating realities that mimic and now bring God into the foray in a very real way. So, if we're thinking about that, then let me ask this: What? How then would you view theology being here at a religious studies conference? How would you personally define that? Are you bound by classical theology? Are you bound by, um, you know, the ancestors and maybe, you know, even maybe what grandma may think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd just be curious to ask, like, yeah, what, how, how do you construct theology given this? what you're talking about no i think it's an incredible question i think the limits of theology are, are based on our particular modes of thinking okay and so I, I think within this within this idea right going back to the materiality right everything kind of goes back to a kind of biocultural perspective okay and so essentially if i had to label myself up within this kind of post-human and, and transhuman spaces even theological spaces i'm a i'm a physicalist right so kind of looking at ideas like you could you could see this within process or within emergence right and which recognizes the idea that that everything we have is physical, but the reality is that we don't have a one-to-one -one correlation between what's physical and what is, you know, quote unquote, an emerging property, i.e., the soul. Okay. Right? Like if we, yes. if we cut each other open, yeah. like neither one of us could point to our soul. But right. we, but we, we still are, we still are connected to this particular idea in a, in a, in a very real way. And you know, depending upon your belief system, right? Right. But essentially, the idea is that within physicalism, we are committed uh, to to exploring exploring these larger kind of meta ideas through the material world that we live in okay you see what i'm saying and so in terms of how do we construct theology theology allows um is, is the space through which we can through which we can construct uh, while uh, imagining these spaces because it, again without a one-to-one -one correlation everything we have here is is simply a question of organization a question of what the potential the potential is mm -hmm. i think that's what that's what we can quote unquote say god or the immaterial exists right and so where, where does god exist in the spaces where we don't necessarily understand now does that say as we begin to understand more things god becomes a shrink mm -hmm. not necessarily it's okay. god is god is essentially uh, fun functioning more or less uh, with within I'll put it like this yeah within this vibe within this within this physicalist framework it also gives way to a vitalist assumption okay uh, so so within within a within a European vitalism you see like this idea of like a non-mechanical approach to to under the underpinning of existence right so it gives life to that which is mm. but then you have this this other kind of African vitalism approach which allows for more or less the way in which um, 
everything has a life force of its own. Okay. Right. But essentially, if we recognize that everything has a life force of its own, that would give that would give credence to the life force of the the, the microphones that we uh, that we are now holding in our hands. So right. it kind of has a basic level of animism or panpsychism. Okay. All right. Okay. Which and so going down to the molecular again, we go this idea that if atoms in the subatomic move, then they also have a consciousness, or it, because it, it, it uh, movement insinuates intentionality, okay. which insinuates thought. Okay. Right. Okay. And so All if right. we bring it up All to right. higher levels of organization, if everything is grounded within by within this kind of vital energy yeah. or this life force, then yeah. everything is a particular form of incarnation. And so while we walk we walk along these lines, we're essentially embodying the vitality, or what some could could argue as God in a very real way. The things, but the but the beauty of this biocultural perspective to tie it back in again is yeah. biology and the larger environment that we're in are given to infinite variability. And so which which goes back to this hmm. idea we talked about Jesus being the creator, and I talked about like the the levels of disorder and and not and, and even chaos in terms of mathematics or physics could approach to be there. Mm. All we have is the, the 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 most the largest structure we have is infinite variability, which yeah. could then which, which could then allow for creation and also allow for destruction in a particular way. But going back to this, going back to the body, as each body shows up. We have the infinite variability that shows up in the variation of skin color, culture, right? Okay. All right. Okay. Gender, sexuality, and it allows mm -hmm. for all of these spaces to thrive because vitality is now giving energy to these things. And so the fact that they show up differently is is now almost validated through the vitality that gives life to it. Man. Wow. So, man, again, <laughs> this is awesome, brother. <laughs> this is some good stuff, man. Um. So if we're thinking then, I mean, with where you're at, I mean, and how does this resonate? And, and if, let, me, let me ask this, just a simplistic question. How does this resonate with you on a day-to-day? -day? Like, you just your day-to-day, -day, living life? No, that's a great question. Right? I, think it's, I think every day, I think living life, I think the idea is it's, it's a reevaluation, right, of the things we engage, right? Mm -hmm. What value do you place on the objects that you come in contact with if the object has a form of life to it? Mm -hmm. what, what value do you, do you, do you now, you know, prescribe to the person that you come in contact with? Okay. But it's also, be, but it's still a complex situation, right? Because yeah. what, what do you do with power structures, right? If you yes. recognize that vitality yes. gives life even to the oppressor, right? Is, the, is it the job for you to now value the oppressor in a particular way, right? Mm -hmm. The question, this is still now a question of value plus power dynamics. Okay. And, and the, and the, the and the, the multi-dimensional capacity of power dynamics and value are always going to be at play. And so I think it's up to the person, again, from this biocultural perspective, it has this kind of hyper-relativity, right, or at least hyper-subjective uh, allowance. So mm -hmm. we, it's, it's, it goes back to the person, man. What, what do you place value in? Mm. What's important to you? What do you care about? Right. And how can you utilize that to immerse yourself within the environment in a very real way? Man. So, so then how do you deal with power structures? We got to president in the office right now that is arguably you know really toxic for people that look like us mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so how how have you dealt with some of that just some of the current issues that you said you came through with mike brown trayvon martin how have you engaged with some of that and, and, and what what does the future look like te technologically man you know like us as black folk utilizing that no i think that's an excellent question so part part of so the other half of my dissertation project i did a psychological study where, whereby i created a um, a mobile application uh, that mm -hmm. was, you know, that kind of sent notifications that were meant to help people facilitate psychological states that mimicked their spiritual experience, right? Because if we talk about emotion being the result of neurochemistry, right, then, then essentially we're asking people to mimic or at least achieve, achieve emotional states 
at essentially at will. Because if if we experience God and we have an emotional reaction to that, yeah. then the idea is that the the way in which we perceive God in correlation to our our neurochemistry has a very real connection, which I think is important in terms of the way in which we utilize our spiritualities to help protect us and help sustain us, right? Okay. And so even even more so in terms of the utilization of technology, the question becomes, and and then dealing with power structures. So you, I probably get a lot of flack for this, but there's a lot of you know ideas that we can't use the master's tool. But the question becomes, what do we use? Right, right. Like some, right. Of the, like some of the overarching master's tool, violence. Every move that we make is an act of violence. You move, you you rip muscle tendons and cords like in a very low level, hmm. right? And so hmm. you, you move against the air. You're shifting, right? You get from the couch that we're sitting on right now. Yeah. The displacement within the cushions have to readjust themselves, right? So movement. It, it precipitates violence in a very real way. Education, right? We talk about the way in which we decolonize education. It's a, it's a violence to uh, to the to the current educational structure in a particular way, right? right? What about governance, right? We're talking about the way in which we combat governance or the way in which we dis- we we don't necessarily agree with uh, the current administration in any particular way. So anything right. that we do is going to be a utilization of the master's tools, right? And so the, I'm I'm not necessarily against that. Okay. All right. And All right. So, and so All right. When, when we talk about the way in which we engage in these things, essentially we're talking about the way in which we as black folks utilize technology to augment our spiritualities, but then utilize technology to then as, as a way for us to uh, accrue right over time social political power. Hmm. Right through through this upheaval of a rethinking of of political and, and and economic power structures. Wow. Right, and so okay. it's how how then can we invent, innovate, right, and again think ahead of what's currently present mm-hmm. to now enter the technological industry and 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 literally disrupt things through the brilliance of blackness and the multiplicity that black that blackness could potentially you know bring itself to. This is deep. So let me ask this. I got I, I, man. I'm telling you, man. You, you just raising questions left and left and right, man. Um, so one argument is I've looked at you know because I watch a lot of d- different documentaries and try to just try to get myself on on a lot of different reads that even if I don't necessarily agree with it. And, sure. And I'm sure you're the same way as well, man. We're, we're now you got to be broadly aware. Exactly. Sure. So one argument is said that you know this is not the first time or this is not the first cycle within humanity that you know we've had this type of level of technology and so some have said that you know it's it's existed before okay. and, and things have gone away so i'm just curious i mean where do you where do you sit on that because my next question then is i would love to hear about intelligent life and what, what you know, is, is that beyond you know the order of the dolphin and that whole you know mathematical <laughs> equation and whatnot man um i'm not I, I can't speak to anything i've never really seen right and i always ask mm. my students man mm. you send me a postcard from heaven and we can actually talk about believing <laughs> in it for real right and even like okay. the idea of classical theology like just real quick is like yeah, please. i always I always put the omnis on the board right like, like a creative player okay right you know uh president potent you know benevolent so on and so forth like plus classical theology is like god is at a hundred of each one but given theodicy God it can't be all loving and all powerful at the same time. So we got to scrub that away and maybe put God at a 50 at all powerful. Mm. And if we're going to keep God at all loving, right? And just be honest about the way in which we're really thinking about the way in which God is functioning, you know, in the environment. Yeah. But in terms of like larger, you know, prehistoric, mo- you know, no- notions of, you know, technology and so forth. I'm not sure, man. But also I was reading something earlier today, right, about like kind of the racist implications about that. The manner in which like we look at some of the, the you know, the Egyptian headdresses, for example, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody's trying to figure out how they, you know, still trying to figure out how they, you know how the pyramids are made, but the, the, right. the you know right. the, the the long headdresses, you know, there could be a correlation between the way in which we see alien heads being constructed and the longer headdresses within you know within uh, within the Egyptian time frame. And so I'm, I don't know, I don't know. 
Okay. I'm, I'm just grateful for, for the uh, the opportunity to be in this particular junction. I think that's this particular junction is allowing us to maybe reconfigure because because the way in which technology is intentionally becoming decentralized, yes, and the manner in which technology is is entering governance, but it's not necessarily fully uh, in governance. I think this is like a pocket of opportunity mm-hmm. that Black folks can begin to utilize this because again, even within thinking about the theological, the classical theological construction, or just looking at God in terms of liberation, yeah. I've yet to see, and, and I'm waiting for anybody to show me where God has actually entered history and saved the people from you know from domination right social politically right we were looking i'm just looking for it and the, the ones that have done it have been the folks that have done it themselves right haitian okay. revolution okay. american revolution french revolution we're seeing we're seeing individuals and people take that upon themselves not necessarily god unless you want to say that, that that's the way god breaks in but that's a whole nother question Ah, uh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I know that's for me some of the, one of the things that I've struggled with, right? Because we hear, okay, God will protect you. I mean, and even I've, I've gotten caught in, oh man, traveling mercies and all that. But what does that mean then when those things are said or those prayers are sent out and, and tragedy still happens or, you know, death still occurs? And I think about, you know, the amount of time that, you know, Africans on this enslaved Africans on this continent here in the U.S. had to endure slavery and just the, the, the vile nature of, of what that existed, even though they believed in, in God, even though they believed in, in, in some of them did, I mean, and in, in, in believed in some kind of form of Christianity, right? What did that actually mean for God? Was God, I, this is what I've wrestled with, right? Mm-hmm. Is God, if God is all-knowing, omnipresent and everything, is God sitting up there and being like, man, that's pretty messed up. Um, <laughs> man, I'll come down in a little bit. I don't right, know right, I mean, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or is God doing this, right? This kind of goes back to the, you know, the three friends of Job, right? It's like God doing this because they got to learn something. Yeah, not yeah. But I, then what does that make God? Right, right. And even the dialogue that God has with you know, if we want to call him Satan or whatever, you know, the, the entity, the, the ruler of the earth, right? When they were having this dialogue, does God then just play games with humanity? <laughs> That's an excellent question. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious since you, you're in this is this is, you know, you, you're digging some good stuff up. No, I think I think we just got to be honest with ourselves. We haven't seen God. We haven't seen God enter history in this particular way. The question becomes, can God? And if God, if God can, then why hasn't God? Either God doesn't care about us anymore or God yeah. never did. But if God can't necessarily enter through this way, maybe the other question could be maybe that's not how God operates. And maybe this just isn't the God that we, it may be God isn't who we think God is. Right. right. And so I'm, I, I played around this idea, like so in this within a psychological framework that looks at kind of uh, human psychology as like multiple. Like we think of ourselves as this one entity, like I'm Philip, you know, you're Hodge. Right. Yeah. But the idea would be that maybe within Philip is a dad, a, a professor, you know, a researcher, a son, a brother. And in similar spaces where you hold multiple hats as well, right? Right. But the idea is that within all of these multiple spaces are many different kind of mind, many minds and many emotions. And so this idea yes. is that even even the way in which God has, quote unquote, shown God's self to us, mm-hmm. you know, historically, then quite possibly there's a part of God that, that God has not shown us. And that and even within that space is potential for the, to ask other questions. Is God afraid to show us God's self? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what does that mean for God to be afraid? If God's afraid, then what the hell are we doing? <laughs> 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 right absolutely you know what i mean so yes. i think it just raises other questions but if it, but but then the other one turns turns this whole idea on its head maybe god's already here mm. and if god's already here where is god and then again the idea going back to vitality if vitality is what's underpinning all of existence all energies in this particular way then maybe god as a technology 
is is enlivening all of all of existence. But again, as a basic technology, we have the particular choice to make these decisions. And again, I think one is it'd be hard for one to. Uh, to place any level of 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 of, of fault or, or blame on like natural disasters, but the question could raise: If we know that tornado season is coming, why do we live in certain spaces? If we know that hurricanes are coming, why do we live there? And some can say because we need to out of necessity because of economic spaces, but that also talks about the larger dominant structures that allow for us that force us to stay in certain spaces when we could be more nomadic, mm. Mm. right? We could be we could be intentionally nomadic, but we can't. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So. All right, let me ask this. I mean, I'm keeping my eye on time, man. You, you keep bringing all these things up, man. I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so what about the problem of evil? How do you how do you deal with that and taking with where you're at and all this stuff? Nah, I think that's a good question. Satan, man. the devil, demons behind bushes. Right, but I mean, but what about but what what is what is what is the the introduction to Job if not maybe an, maybe uh, an insight into the psyche of God if we believe it if we believe any of this to be true? Okay. Why why does the devil get to show up in, God, in God's throne room in a particular way? That suggests that, that the devil lives there. This the the accuser lives there, and so it could very similar mimic the way in which we see other folks that we are in real relationship with and accuse them of of not necessarily being committed to us or imagine the ways in which we don't necessarily trust them yeah right and so yeah. maybe maybe if, if we give credence to any particular level of, of the way in which satan functions it could just be within our own minds as 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 the way in which we you know kind of create distance within our relationships okay but in terms of evil overall i don't i don't know i think i think again this kind of falls back into the question about what it means for 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 humans to um, to have an incarnate capacity, but choose to do other to do, but to choose to do less than what could potentially be be the best outcome. But then the question becomes, what's the best outcome? Yeah. And then the question becomes, why didn't anybody help? But if you, it's, but it, but it, you know, it, it's it's hard in terms because it comes to cyclical relations because we thought God was going to help. Right. You see what I mean? Right. But, yes. but where is God if not in the next person? And if we keep continue hmm. to say that God's in our neighbor, but we don't really mean it, right? Like if God's in our neighbor. But mm-hmm. we don't. But the neighbor doesn't help, or we don't help the neighbor. Yeah. Or we don't necessarily see the neighbor in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, one of my so within one of my courses, we, I'm asking students right to come up their own definition of spirituality, their own definition of transformation. One of my students said that, and I, and I asked them to put it in conversation with the five senses, at least one or two of them. Right. Mm-hmm. One of my students said that sight is hurtful to to one's spirituality because when you look out, it distracts you from from looking within. And so the question becomes, in some particular way, when you look for God out in nature sometimes, some folks say they can't see God in nature, right? But if you look out into the world and it's the distraction, but you close your eyes and you're able to connect with God, and the question becomes, where the hell is God? If not, maybe quite possibly within the temple that we say that God's supposed to be in the first place. But the question becomes, in a very real way, do we believe that? And what are the implications of that? If God's inside you, then what what are the limitations of your own capacity? Yeah. And if it and if it broadens your limitations, right, makes them smaller, then then what is the responsibility that follows? <laughs> that is a damn good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn good question. So so I know last night we were had we got a chance to talk a little bit and then I know, you know, you, you was talking with somebody else and somebody asked you about information and that was a whole great conversation. But yeah, yeah. one of the things you said and I wanted to kinda of expand on it, you said, Man, you find in Christianity that the, the boundaries of that man are, are, are slowly shrinking for you and, and I'd love to exp- you know, you explore that more and stuff, man. Like what, what did you what did you mean by that and what and what are you thinking? How did you arrive at that, you know, that position? Wait a minute, say ask the, one more time. Well, you know, so so last night we were you know, we were talking, you were like, Man, I'm just having a hard time fitting all this into like christianity yeah, and yeah stuff. no no yeah that, no, i think that's fair that's fair because I, I think i'm just finding i'm finding this may also get me in trouble right uh <laughs> but i think that the question right. ma- mainly becomes man 
if 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 as folks who are looking for liberation, if we continue right, which again pulls back to the, this, this, this multi-dimensional capacity, especially within power dynamics, if we continue to go back to concepts of love, peace, and God, right, which which also in so many ways like take away our ability for for any level of agency within the liberative space. Okay. Right. Then, then what does it mean for us to be loving and also ha- being being conversation with like with somebody who is who is who is nice to us but benefiting from their privilege in a particular way? Right. Okay. They're not actively doing something against us, but we're just we're just walking in love. Do you see what I'm saying? We're, yeah. we're we're trying to be reconciling in a particular way, but you know, and not to say that, that there are folks who are doing the active work in a, in, the, in a kind of in, a, in engaging in the hard conversations. But I'm I'm just wondering about how we get out of the cycle, right? Of of a re of re uh, of reutilizing these terms that are beneficial within ourselves and maybe within smaller communities, mm-hmm. like in the larger sphere. And I think it goes back to maybe larger governmental questions, like historically, when folks ask, "Can love function within within governance?" In many cases, we we've seen the yeah. answer to be no, right? There's, yeah. What what are the limitations of the polis, right? In terms right. of like the political sphere, right? right? And, and in terms of act, like, actively being like engaging in Christian concepts, love, mm-hmm. justice. What does justice actually look like? And I even think that I even think that that the um, that you know that that justice models that that engage with that force the that force the victim to engage the you know the, to, to engage the you know the the person who has victimized them also can also be problematic depending upon the power structure that that created this you know this uh, this the space that created them that turned them into a victim. Mm. And so I don't. I just I think it's more complex than okay. than I think that many many conversations are allowing it to be. Okay. And I and I want there to be a, 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 maybe a, a deeper level a, a deeper level inquiry into that comp, into that complexity. Do you think the more we move with technology and the more well not move but the more we get deeper into technology and and just the broadness of what information and data is, the more people have access. You know, if we go with the argument that, you know, we've progressed now, we have, you know, the most, at least in the Western world, the mm-hmm. most amount of literate people who can read or at least have access to something where they can gra- gather, you know, some data points and data entries with information. Um, do you think then that it will eventually, I mean, for example, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Trekkie, a Star Trek guy. I'm a Star Wars guy. We shouldn't be friends, right? Oh, man. Well, I know. That's, that's what I'm bigger at, though. That's what I'm bigger at, man. I'm bigger with Star Wars, man. Yeah, yeah. But... With Star Trek, what fascinates me is that, you know, they've gotten to a place where they'd be like, you know, we, we're smart enough to be, we don't necessarily, we've solved the problem of God. And, and so we're, we're, we're cool now. Let's just go and keep exploring the, the outer reaches of the universe and stuff. Do you think we'll, we'll eventually get to that? I mean, given the amount and the rate of change and technological change and information that's coming, or is it just another Tower of Babylon? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I hear you. I don't know, but I don't. I don't know if you ever really solve the problem of God, because then, because I think we're still trying to figure out like what is God. Like I right. think we, like, like we think we know God, we don't know God. Hmm. Like we, there's, there's, because I mean, even if you were to try to put everybody's perspective together, it'd still only be like a subjective take on what it means to experience God. Like we're talking about what we know about God, and in many cases, you're talking about asking people to see their own experience through the filter of their traditions. Okay. And so, like. Unless somebody's even willing to be critical of the way of their own experience in a particular way, then we're still kind of again only scratching at the potential for us to be in conversation of what it means to explore God. But in, okay. But in terms of like the the, the technological, the, the putting technology in conversation with that, I think the the only the closest thing we'll probably have is just a, a maybe a stronger algorithm. 
Okay. Right, but then, but but we all know the limitations of algorithm. Like mathematics itself, right, re- requires a certain level of 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 decay to be built into it. And so, if we talk about God that has an infinite kind of capacity, with with an algorithm that has the requirement that needs to have le- levels of decay within it, then what does it mean to have to me- for God to be temporally dependent? Yeah. And then, so now we're talking about the God of the times as opposed to God. And so essentially we're asking the question of like maybe maybe the question of what, who is who is our God now versus yes. what God could potentially be in the future. But yes. maybe more in line with kind of Jewish thinking in terms of I will be or I, I will be who I will be. Maybe that's closer to scripture. Right. Right. And, and, and putting God and putting the algorithm of God under that stress hmm. and, and recognizing that God is, is constantly re, the, the, the consistency of God is the renewal of God's self in a particular way. <sighs> wow. <laughs> this is man. OK. Well, let me ask this, the, the last meta question before okay. we, you know, I want to be respectful of time. I could keep going with this, no, man. No, this is fine. This is, this, is, uh, this is amazing stuff. Intelligent beings beyond our solar system. Does life exist? I mean, you think about, you know, what we've now found out about all the moons and people are saying there's potential for life. Uh, Mars, you know, some of the monoliths that have been found there and whatnot. And some people are saying, oh, it's a NASA cover up, whatever. Yeah. What do you think, man? People talking about, you know, now they're talking about the warp drive and how we can make it to Alpha Centauri within a couple of months <laughs> as opposed to, you know. Right, right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious as you uh, you are obviously a learned man in these in these in this in this <laughs> rare You're area. Very <laughs> no man i'm, I'm serious I'm, I'd, I'd love to hear what you had have to say about that i think about this a lot yeah, brother. yeah, yeah. Not, I, i'm not opposed to concept of like a multiverse mm-hmm. i'm also because I, I think like because everything that we the only thing we're consciously aware of is is the timeline that we're in right and so yes, like yes. there could be there could be a timeline where we made a totally different decision and we're not here today right yes we're totally different people i think yes. I'm, i like to explore that at least mentally right 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 but also so i think i think, I think you're also asking this question in tandem with the earlier question in terms of like the order of life and like intelligence and so on and sure. so forth yeah 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 but so like within the post-human space the idea is to decenter humanity right and so kind mm-hmm. of look at uh, look at intelligence kind of on, on a broad space and even like post transhumanists and post-humanists are, are beginning to explore the, the ways in which like other forms of life are intelligent right but but i but again i think that there is a need to be a bit more decolonial and even in that in that approach right because essentially there's still like evaluation as opposed so they're not human they're intelligent but mm-hmm. they're still not human and so this, right. it, it, it's it privileges human intelligence overall and in, in a particular way but the reality is we, i've never been a cat like i've never been a dog and I don't, I don't know what that's like but to say that the cat is smart in its own particular space of course it is but it, it's just difference yeah right similar i mean and, and and so the idea is the recognition of difference so it's a different intelligence yes. but it's intelligent nonetheless yes right and so if we if we recognize difference as is without placing it like a numerical valuation on as to like how we see you know its import right yeah. or, or what we can how we can utilize it right kind of this capitalist idea right right then we can at least recognize the dif- the differences in intelligence now now this bridges to your 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 the second half of your question or the first part of you pose in this one right mm-hmm. in terms of life other spaces if we talk about matter and we talk about subatomic uh subatomic particles again we go to this idea of movement right so the idea are we talking about higher levels of organization in terms of life and other planets or are we mm-hmm. talking about just the existence the, the fact that there are rocks and minerals and gases right in in the in the in in the universe right itself suggests that there is life already occurring in these spaces beyond our current known earth right because uh, i haven't been to the moon i'm not sure if you have you have i'd love, <laughs> love to hear this story right but but again the, the idea is that you know life there's life everywhere and, mm-hmm. and so in terms of uh, higher, higher levels of organization and, 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 and beings beyond our universe, 
I don't know. I try not to. I, as speculative as I am, yes. I'm, I'm not sure. I, but I also am always kind of curious about the ways in which you try to. We try to think about aliens. I always because I mean. I'm, you know Sylvia Winter and so on so it's always the idea of aliens in conversation with colonialism so I, that's one of the first things I think about either yes. aliens with colonialism or aliens with the idea of salvation they're going to come and help us or they're going to come and invade us invade us right <laughs> yes right yes <laughs> and so those are the, those are my first <laughs> notions with that but in terms of like life itself I think it's, I think everything's alive man and, and so uh, you know we, sh- we should be aware of that and maybe again maybe rethink the way in which we we're with all of these things as, as we're as, as we are alive yeah man brother this has been an intriguing conversation thank you for taking the time to do this man it's my pleasure man this uh yeah this is very invigorating man i know my 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 audience will will definitely love this like i said you'll you know those of you listening probably have to go back and listen a couple (laughs) times i know i'm gonna have to but this is what i think this is what i love about aar conversations like this definitely definitely stretches me and it stretches my own thinking beyond Whatever I wanted to find is classical. You know what I'm saying? Not as fair, man. That's fair, and I'm I'm just grateful for the opportunity, man. And, and this, like, aside from the you know the papers and the panels, man, we really just come to kick it with people that we yes. that we've met, yes. made a, made a connection with, and yes. just want to maintain it, man. So I'm I'm just glad we get to chop it up, man. This, this is this is good for me, man. This is absolutely this is def, definitely healing, definitely healing. Where can um, people find you, man? What publications you got? If people want to bring you out to their school and pay you, you know, fifty thousand for a little a little plenary. <laughs> plenary, that be that, man. Hey, hit me up, but not <laughs> but uh, so, so um, on Instagram, I'm I'm Phil B the Science G. It's it's corny, but I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like right? it. I'm with that. Phil B. The Science G. Uh, Philip uh, with one L mm. dot Reed Butler, uh, Reed hyphen Butler at LMU dot EDU. Okay. Um, on uh, Twitter, I think I'm the High Tech Monk on Twitter. Okay, High Tech Monk. Yeah, okay. Man. And then uh, in terms of publications, I, I had one recently in, in the, the Journal of Post-Human Studies on making enhancement equi- equitable, right? Looking <laughs> looking at the term human animal in terms of blackness. Okay. Um, I also have one on, human co- on, on uh, artificial cognitive architectures and the potential for looking at uh, contemplative overlays to, to mitigate uh, racial bias and criminal sentencing. Uh, and then... Uh, I got a my my I just I don't know if I told you this right so I've submitted the second draft of my manuscript it should probably be out next spring. That's great. Uh, Black transhuman liberation theology. Ooh, who's that with? Uh, it's with Bloomsbury Press. Oh man, there yeah, you man. go. That's good stuff, brother. Thank you, sir. Well, man, and for those of you listening, I will put all these in the show notes so you'll have links. Well, except for the articles. I'm, I'm sure yeah, those yeah. are, you know, but you, you can at least gain the abstract somewhere. And if you have access to a library somewhere, yeah, yeah. I'd highly suggest reading them. I got to read them. Yeah, yeah. I, they're on academia.edu. Okay. All right. Yeah, so here's my academia.edu uh, profile. Okay. Yeah. I would I would definitely do that, man. And I'll, and I'll put that on uh, in the show notes as well, man. Again, thank you, Brother Philip. Man, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm kind of honored to be here with you. 